Psalm 34, 17. Uh, Psalm 50, 15. Psalm 50, 15. Jonah, thank you. Uh, Dylan, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. Uh, Mark 5, 7 and 8. Kaifa. Mark 1, 25. Mark 1, 25. You just don't need to write the scriptures down now. Because like, this is what people do when I give out scriptures. They're like, I'm writing it down. You don't need to write it down. It's going to be on the screen. It's okay. Sione, Mark 1, 25. Uh, and then we'll go into the middle section after that. Okay. Uh, how many here you've played chess before? Raise your hand nice and know you've played chess before. A few of you. I see it seems like there's a few of, there's a bit of a chess competition going on at the back after church and some mornings uh, and services, and that's good. Um, but chess is mostly in your mind, right? It's you have to think where is the person gonna go next? Where are they gonna uh, what's their, their strategy, what's their direction? And you think ahead. You just don't make any random decision, surely, right? You think ahead. The ones that lose are the ones that make any decision. Oh, that's all good. It's fine. Uh, I'll be okay. The ones that think ahead win, right? Right? Amen. So you need to think a few steps ahead. And a lot of the young guys play it, and they seem to be quite good at it, which is good. Um, But we can't give more attention to our chess moves than to our life moves, our life's decision. And if you just make your decisions just on how you're feeling today, you're going to lose life very, very quickly. You were going to checkmate, life's over, game over. Like, but pastor, I didn't know. Well, you, you have Bible hour today, so you know. And so we must give it a thought and understanding about our decisions that we make. Because the, the devil wants to get in your mind. Once he gets in your mind, you make bad decisions. You make wrong decisions. And so he can come and, and get a checkmate on your life. There's a saying, a quote, decisions we make today determine where we will be tomorrow. All right? The decisions we make today determine where we will be tomorrow. And so people could get to the end of their life and be so upset. Why is my life like this? Well, the reason your life is like this is because of what you, the, the, the decisions you made yesterday, the week before, last month, last year, 10 years ago. And they're all building up. The problem with decisions is that we don't reap the consequences immediately, though, do we? And we think, I can make that decision and nothing changed. I'm all good. God didn't see it. I'm not going to reap the consequences, but we know Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. And that should be a blessing to all of us. We should be like, thank God, because sometimes we're sowing good seeds and we don't see a harvest straight away. Don't worry, God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. But those that are doing evil, that should freak the life out of you. That should be like, oh, oh, I'm in big trouble now, right? It's all right. We've got an altar call afterwards. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. So, we need deliverance, we need dominion. And so we're going to do a study titled Deliverance to Dominion from the book. I've um, preached on this topic, on the topic of dominion many times. It's very, very important that you get this right. And so Pastor Campbell's got a book on it. Uh, I'm not sure if any, I could see one up there. Uh, I bought four. I've got one. Bex got one. I think the librarians took one out so they could read it as well. Uh, But I encourage you to read this book, um, maybe even through this study or after this study. Uh, It's very, very good. And Pastor Campbell said, what triggered triggered this series is that people come to church, they get saved, they serve God for six months, a year, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, and then they go back and backslide. And he said, what's the problem? What's the issue? The issue is they don't have dominion. 
And if you do not have dominion, you will never enter destiny. This is why I preach on dominion so, so, so strong. And it's, I give you that understanding. You must have this. Many times we look back at our life. You look back at our church. Some friends that you used to serve God with. Look back. Remember so-and-so? Remember when so-and-so got saved? Remember when such-and-such were doing this? And remember them and remember them? They're not here anymore. Why? It's because of this. That's the issue. They're going to make out, oh, it was something else. It was this problem. It was this. No. It is always a lack of dominion. If a quarter of our backsliders came back, we need to hire Mount Smart Stadium, right? Everyone in Naughty Hunger has been to the, our church at one point or another, right? So why, why do you think, uh, I know I spoke about it here, but why do you think people don't establish dominion? Why do you think people just serve God for a year, two years, five, and then go back to the exact same person, actually worse than before they got saved? So let's open. Why do you think that occurs? Biz. Pride, yeah. They never get dominion over their pride. Very good. What are some other areas you, th you think? Linet. Lack of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. If you lack prayer, you lack dominion, 100%. Yo. Stop trusting God, which is another element of pride, isn't it? <laughs> like, God, I don't trust you. I trust me. God's like, I created you. I created creativity. Right? God says, I, I see the end from the beginning. But you can't be trusted. So, lack of prayer, pride. Yeah, very good. What are some other things? Beck. Mm. You're telling me people like the feeling of doing wrong things? Mm. It's not that, not that we can't stop. We don't want to stop. Right? I like getting angry. I like having these lustful relationships. I like getting drunk and doing, I like swearing. I like, and all these things, I like being rebellious because it makes me feel, oh, look at me, I'm powerful, right? And get addicted to the feeling. This is going to be a good study, man. I, I love, I can't wait. I'm so excited for this study. I think, oh man, I'm telling you. Right, very good. So all these are, um, are true, and we'll get into a number of these through the next few weeks. So remember, you need dominion to survive as a Christian. If you're going to be here in a year, two years, five years, ten years, when Jesus comes back, which is very soon, I hope you have dominion. So when we talk about deliverance, what do you think deliverance means? When you say, we say delivered, someone's been delivered, I'm delivered, what, do you, what's, what sort of things come to mind, the word deliverance? Deliverance, deliverance. Angie. They do the sinner's prayer? Yeah. And so from the sinner's prayer, that means there's a rescuing, right? We repent and we, are, we have prayed a prayer. And in that moment, we're instantly delivered from the curse of sin and the bondage of sin. We have been rescued or set free. That's why we're, we're born again, no longer under the curse of sin and death. Now we are we're believers. Math, uh, Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So when we cry out to God, He delivers us. Psalm 50, 15. Did I give that out? Psalm 50, 15. Jonah? Yeah, sure. Tell you, you need to just hold it next to his mouth. No, <laughs> so, call upon me in the day of trouble and you shall go. So it talks about I'll deliver you. So, so who does the delivering here? 
Very easy question. God delivers us. And God does that in an instant. You could be delivered in an instant. How many when you got saved, there's some things that changed instantly. Right? There's a, there's a change. You're, some, some of you, your mouth changed instantly. Remember the, the time you swore after you first got saved? You're like, should I be saying that? Should, is that right? The next time you went to have a drink and maybe your desire for a drink wasn't as much. And all these things change. There's an instant deliverance that comes. And that's what God does. God does that. We don't do that. God does that. But deliverance does not equal dominion. That's the key. Well, I've been set free from alcohol, but it doesn't mean you have dominion over alcohol just yet. There's some things that you need, need to work out. So when I say the word dominion, so firstly, this one could be to rescue. When we, mean, when we say dominion, what, what, what comes to mind? What does the word dominion mean? Dominion. What, what sort of words come to mind when we say dominion? dominion. Ange. Control. Yeah, very good. Yeah. What else? Dominion. Dominion. Dominion, dominion, dominion. Ivy. Power. Yeah. Very good. Control. Power. Uh, rulership. Um, there's a whole, whole stack of things. But basically, to be in control is the main one. Ange got it straight away. Thanks, Ange, for getting it straight. Didn't have to ask too many questions. She got it straight away. So to be in control, to be sovereign, that you control the circumstance, not the circumstance. That you control your life, not your emotions, not the other people, not what people say, think, do, speak, whatever. You are in control. Okay? And you can lose your deliverance. If you don't get dominion, right, ultimately, you end up losing your deliverance. And so all the things God delivered you from, if you don't get this, you end up going back to this and doing those stupid things you once did. Right? This is very, very, this is horrible. You, you, this, is, this is the saddest thing when you see people, God set them free and brought them so far, and now they're all the way back, and usually much worse. Right? So dominion is how you enter destiny. Without this, you will not enter destiny. You won't make it. Uh, in the Footscray Church, uh, when my mum got saved, another lady got saved, uh, Lisa Matheson. She was a hard, hardcore alcoholic, um, drug user, and so her and her family, she got saved, her children got saved, and her husband got saved. My mum my actually moved in with her when she first came to church. Uh, that, so you could think about how, how um, hospitable, how large-hearted this lady was. She let my mum and I live with her. My mum my and dad were um, divorced at the time. Eventually, dad comes and gets saved and go on. We serve God together. I'm friends with, with her children, uh, Matthew Matheson, the rest of them. Anyway, she never developed dominion. And soon enough, she went back to the life of alcohol, went back to the life of drugs. Her husband backslid. Her husband ended up dying, uh, dying a, a drunk in the bathroom. Uh, her children all left the church. Now, she is those people that, you know those people you see on the side of the street that ask you for $2 because they need to catch a bus to Wellington? But really, they just want some drug money? That's her. One of the main ladies in the Footscray Church. We're at Outreach, and then we see this lady, and she looks familiar, but She's so, her face is all gone. And, and she was the one that took my mum in. If it wasn't for her, I don't know if my, my mum would have stayed saved. But she never established dominion. Now she's seven times worse than before. So this is, this is I just want to make this so important to you that you must establish dominion. It is not a side issue. It is not something I'll get to one day because if, no, you won't. You need to get it today. You need to get onto this, right? So that's why this, this series is going to help. 
a lot of people. She lost her dominion, and so she, she lost her deliverance. So let's look firstly. I'm going to look at two points this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk about how life is spiritual. Life is spiritual. Imagine getting to heaven, and I, I can't wait till we get to heaven. It's going to be a glorious day, and uh, I think about heaven a lot. I can't. How many like going through a rough day, and you're like, Jesus, just come back now. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm about halfway through the move on on Monday. I was like, God, why am I moving house again? Like it's all going to burn anyway. Why don't we just, you know, let's get over and done with now. Like we're good. And so, one thing that's going to shock all of us when we get to heaven, I believe is that we're going to realize how spiritual life really was. And we thought it was that person that caused us trouble. We thought it was that circumstance. We thought it was that problem. We thought we just had health issues. We thought this, we thought that, we thought this or the other. But that was not life. The issue was a spiritual issue. And we're going to get to heaven, we're going to realize, man, why didn't I pay enough attention to the spiritual climate of life? Why didn't I understand the spiritual side of things? Why did I try and fight it physically when it was a spiritual problem? So this is very important, something we must get through. There are many issues in life that can't be fixed by changing physical things. For example, what's one of the main reasons people uh, move to a new city? Put your hands up. See you on it. Other people want to get to get around, get away from these people. Want to get some other people, get some new people. Yeah, very good. Chris, fresh start, absolutely, very good. Anyone else? Edge, money, yeah. And so all these issues, they're thinking if I change my scenery, physical scenery, then I'm going to change. <laughs> but that's not the issue, because life is spiritual. And sometimes you go to another place, but your spirit hasn't changed. And you will find those same friends. <laughs> the exact people you used to drink with, you'll find them over in Oz as well. You've got a brother here. He said, I had to go away. I went, I went to see the tribe. You know, I'm doing the exact same thing over there. Nothing changes. The same person you are here is the same person you are there. You do not change because life is spiritual. And this is what we must grasp unless you deal with the spiritual side your crisis it, it just can't be helped so let's look at second corinthians 10 3 to 6 for though we walk in the flesh we do not walk according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for the pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against Sunday the knowledge of in the god, back bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So though we walk in the flesh, we are physical. The battle is not physical. I know it feels that way. How many of you like there's some people, if they were just eliminated from my life, my life would be so much easier. Well, God will just, <laughs> the blessing of the Lord will come down. And um, yeah, hey, praise the Lord. And so, but that's not the battle, right? So that's verse 3. It's, it's not between people. Verse 4. The weapons of our are not carnal, but mighty in God pulling down. So this is God working. This is God doing miracles. But then it goes, turns, verse, that's what God does. Verse 5, it's what we do. Casting down arguments. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. 
bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That is not God's job, that's your job. And the thing is, we want God to, to do the stronghold part, and then we want Him to do everything else. And then, because we don't cast out our arguments and we don't control our mind, we let our mind go to all these other places, then we think, oh, then our, the strongholds in our life, they're, they're all there again. All the, we're not delivered again. And we're like, Christianity doesn't work. No, you didn't establish dominion. This is something that you must fight for. This is something that you must put effort in. This is something that you must desire with all your heart. So, in Mark 5, there's the, the story of the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Does anyone remember what issues did he have, the demoniac of the Gadarenes? What, what was his issues from, from memory? What sort of things did he do? That was a bit weird. Anyone remember? Chris? Yeah, so he was living in the cemetery. Now, if anybody lives in the cemetery, they've got major issues. Major, major issues, right? He, they said that he tore his clothes. He, he lived in the cemetery. The chains that they held him down by couldn't, they, he broke those chains. These are not good chains. These are bad chains, you know, breaking the chains. Yeah, praise God. No, no. Right? They tried to, they, he couldn't be controlled with chains. He cut himself. Right? These are all physical things, but a spiritual uh, that says he was the demoniac of the gathering. That means he was filled with demons, a legion, 6,000. So all these physical things were happening in his life, but the issue was a spiritual issue. It wasn't that, oh, he just had weak chains. It was a spiritual issue. When Jesus came to heal him, Jesus didn't go to him and say, man, where'd you get those clothes from? Let me get you a better brand of clothes. They won't rip. Jesus would say, there's a better, there's a better chain company just around the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee. Check them out. They're really, really cool. Jesus didn't say to him, living in a cemetery is really bad, man. I, I encourage, if you get some good friends, you can come live over there. It's going to be great. You'll have a great time. It's, it's really good for you to live in a nice home. There's, there's you know, heating and... Jesus didn't say any of those things. Jesus rebuked the spirit. And then the physical things changed. Mark 5, 7 to 8. With a streak, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus has already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. So Jesus went directly to the source, which was the spirit. Most of us would have gone to him and said, please stop cutting yourself. We love you. But that's not the issue. Because life is spiritual. Maybe what you're going through today, it's not the church's issue. It is not that person. It is not the situation you're in. It is not even your workplace. It's a spiritual issue. And you must address it spiritually. Uh, Jesus rebuked unclean spirits all the time. Mark 1.25 but Jesus rebuked them, saying, Be quiet and come out of them. And so he did this over and over and over again. This, this was actually someone who was in church. <laughs> and then in the synagogue, Jesus says, Shut up, come out of you, you unclean spirit. I might try that over the pulpit Sunday morning. We'll give it a go. See, see what happens. Right. And so I'm telling you all this stuff. Some of it might be new. I've said all of this a number of times. This is not like, Really? Life is spiritual? I didn't know. Right? You all know that. So what's the issue? The issue is we know, but we don't do anything about it. It's one thing to know, it's another thing to do. That's when it turns from deliverance to dominion. Okay. We, um, I did, at the start of last year, I did a, a Bible hour on battle stations. And that was spiritual warfare 
how to def defeat every spiritual attack that comes. I explained how spiritual attacks come. They attack people, God's people, God's place, the church, uh, and there was another P. I can't remember what it was. But he comes and attacks us. Spiritual. This is the battle. There's always going to be attacks. There's always going to be attacks. There's always going to be attacks. Then I went through eight weeks. I broke down the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I went through all of the, the, the shoes. I went through all of that. And then people went through a spiritual battle and said, Pastor, it's too hard. I quit. I just, I just did the last three months of my life telling you this is what's going to happen. Then it happened, and you're like, God, I, I, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, I just told you. So, I'm going to teach this series. If you don't apply it, there's nothing I can do for you. And you're going to say, you're going to blame, oh, it's God, it's the pastor, it's the church. No, it's you. We need to start taking some ownership for our own lives. We're not five years old. This is my life. I need to, I'm going to stand before God for my life. And if I want to enter the destiny of God, I need to establish dominion. I wonder how many problems we're facing right now are just spiritual. Maybe that issue in the marriage is a spiritual battle. Maybe that battle in, in, in sickness is a spiritual uh, battle. That addiction, depression, backsliding, financial pressure, all these things could be applied to, it's a spiritual battle, not just a physical thing. The issue is not, you don't, I just don't make enough money. That is not the issue. It's a spiritual issue. How many issues are not just difficult situations, but weak spiritual Christians? It's not that the battle's too hot. It's just that we're not strong enough because we haven't established dominion. Okay. So I'm not going to go into that for too much longer. Uh, but does anybody have any questions or comments on this before we move into what I really want to speak about this morning? Deliverance to dominion. Life is spiritual. Getting a handle on that. Okay. All right. So let's look, let me get some scriptures. Let's start on this side. Isaiah 27.1. Isaiah 27.1. Uh, Damien, uh, Chris, can you get me Job 41, 1-5? Uh, if you can read from the NLT. Do you have that on your phone? Job 41, 1-5. Uh, Proverbs 12.8. Ivy, thank you. Um, Ephesians 6.10-12. Uh, Kayla, and then Biz. 1 John 2.18-19. and 19. Uh, Two more. Hebrews 13.17. Cole, Darren, Proverbs 18.1. Okay, so we're going to speak about something. Uh, we're going to get into something a bit deeper. Is it Ali? Yeah. We're going to talk about the spirit of Leviathan. Leviathan. Going to get into some cool areas this morning. God's really going to help us. All right, let's see what I give that. Was that to Damien? Isaiah 27, verse 1. And that day the Lord would take his terrible swift sword and punish Le 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 Leviathan. Leviathan. That's the one. The swiftly moving serpent, the coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea. So here he is talking about this animal in the Bible. But we know when we talk about physical things in the Old Testament, they represent spiritual things in the New Testament. And this Leviathan is this deep sea animal. Many times in ancient writings, they talk about a demonic force as an animal. And this is a spirit that wants to attack people's lives. It's a spirit that twists your vision. This is a spirit that makes you twisted. This is very, very important. We're going to establish this. 
because I've said this many times, the devil wants your eyes. And if you don't view life correctly, you will make wrong decisions all the time. The coronavirus is going pretty full on at the moment. Um, one of our missionaries in, in China, uh, I think he's in Hongzhou, Pat Edwards, um, he basically said his whole, all around him, everything's shut down. The schools are shut down, the, the, the supermarkets, everything's shut down. You're only allowed to leave your house once every two days. Uh, he lives in this complex, and every time he leaves, they check his temperature. Uh, and then when and he comes back, they check his, check his temperature. If he's got a fever, when he comes back, they won't let him in to his own home. It's, it's full on. There's, it's like a ghost town. There's no one walking the streets. All the, the schools, colleges, universities, shops, everything's closed. And it's, it's, it's very, very serious. It's much more serious than I realized uh, as I was looking into it yesterday. But you see, you would have seen a lot of people, even when on the plane back from Brisbane, they had a, the, the mask. You see these people wearing a mask around their face uh, to protect them from it. But I read an article yesterday that says another way it's infecting people, uh, this, this horrible virus, is through their eyes. This, this, uh, this disease is getting into people's eyes and then it's infecting their whole body. And they're encouraging people to wear glasses to try and protect their whole body. That's very, it's quite serious. But if, if that's true physically, imagine the spiritual ramifications. That's how the devil tries to infect us through our eyes. And he affects our vision. And you can't view situations correctly. And after that, you've become twisted and you lose your dominion. Pastor Mitchell said many, many times, life isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you react. Life isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you react. So why do you think that's true? Why do you think life isn't so much about bad things or what happens or how intense the situation is? It's about how you react. Why do you think that's true? Jane. Absolutely. The direction you, you go in is not actually what happened to you. It's your own choice, your reaction to it. Kaifu, did you? Similar, what Jane said, right? Yeah, Beck. Yeah, your emotions. Yeah, if, you, if your actions align with your emotions, then you're going to be in trouble. And so if you, just react, if you just go through what happened and you just react like that, what happened to you, you're going to be in trouble. But if you take dominion and you decide, this is how I'm going to react even though I feel like reacting like this, this is actually what I'm going to do, then you can actually make it through and you're on the right path. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Life isn't... Bad things happen to everyone. But you've got to choose, like you said, to get back up again. You've got to make that decision. Those are all very, very good, right? And so the devil's goal is to make you view life wrong and twisted that you have a kinked mentality about everything that happens in life. Everything is viewed incorrect, and then we make incorrect decisions. Every now and again, the boys play basketball. Well, they attempt to play basketball, and um, they're shooting, and they play these games. And, and Kaifa, what's one of the things that they say when, when someone starts missing? What do we say? They become what? They become tilted. That means they're a bit off. It doesn't matter how close they are to the ring, they just can't get it in. Someone got in their head. So they, they just, they just, they're just off. And, and you should hear the, the smack talk that goes on at these basketball games. It's beautiful. It's great. Right? And so, but it, it throws them out. It puts them off. And they can't even do the basics right. And I know many Christians who are spiritually tilted. Basic Christianity. 
and they, they can't view it correctly. People say stupid things like, well, why do I need church? Well, because Jesus died for the church. <laughs> I will build my church. It's the bride of Christ. <laughs> because the Bible says that you need church. Over and over and over and over and over. But why do many Christians today, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. You're tilted. You're twisted. I don't need other people. I don't need people. I could do it my own way. And it will end okay. <laughs> Human effort can't defeat this spirit. Have you ever, you know someone that's making a really dumb decision and you had a chat to them, but they don't change? Okay. So you doing this, you're going to go to hell forever. Your family's going to go to hell. Your friends are going to go to hell. Yo, all good. Anybody had that conversation with someone? Are you, are you insane? And the answer is yes. Because this Leviathan, Leviathan spirit, it twists your mind. It plays with your mind. And you can't make right choices. You make bad, very bad choices. You cannot defeat this in our own flesh, in our own ways. Uh, God is questioning Job in Job 41, and he really gets him about this spirit of Leviathan. He goes, he's asking, can you deal with it by yourself, Job? And look what he said, the great questions here. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you, to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it? To you, uh, give, give it to your little girls to play with. God is asking Job, is it, you think you can handle this spirit? You think you can catch this spirit by yourself? Remember, it's talking like a fish. He's like, you think you can go fishing and catch this whale? And some of you got these, these twisted mentalities and you think, I'll just think different and I'll be okay. I'll change soon. You think you can play with this? You think this isn't, you play it like a bird? What does it say? You can make it a pet like a bird? You think you can muck around with these thoughts? You think you can just go down this path and then I'll just turn around? No, no, because when you go down this path, you, every time you take a step, you burn that bridge behind you. And you become so twisted and manipulated in your mind. And every decision becomes worse and worse. And this is why backsliders make the dumbest decisions. Because you go back seven times worse and you're, you can't think straight. You can't defeat this in the flesh. What I mean by that is, it's not just, I'm just going to try harder. No, that's not going to fix it. It's a spiritual problem that needs a spiritual answer. So let me give you a bit of a breakdown of someone with a twisted spirit. Something happens to you personally. You're not the same person anymore. You're different. Ever said that to someone? You're different. You're not the same anymore. You're twisted. Proverbs 8, uh, sorry, 12, 8. A person will be praised based on his insight, but whoever has a twisted mind will be despised. Will be despised. A twisted mind. It's, 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 it's a deformity here. When you're, um, maybe Siono can speak about this, but in construction, Siono, if you have a piece of wood that's warped, if it's bent, can you still use that to build, or do you have to get something else? 
get something else, right? And so this is what happens. God wants to use his people to build, but then they have warped minds, and then God can't build on you. It's, it, you're, you're, you're warped. But this is, our, this is the warped thinking. I'll just go to another church, and I'll still be in the will of God. Said who? Where's that in the Bible? Show me. Give me one scripture. But because they're so warped and twisted, it makes sense to them. Have you ever had... Have you had someone change, and it, nearly, it felt like they nearly changed overnight? It's like, you were last week, now this week, what happened to you? This is what happens, because you get twisted in your mind, and eventually, when it's in your mind, it comes out in your words, and it'll come up in your actions. And people's actions reflect their mind. When people make dumb decisions, because their mind is whack. Their, their mind is all over the place. And this is what happened. Uncharacteristic behavior starts with someone who's got a twisted mind. There's a book, I doubt any of you have read this from 1851 called Moby Dick. It's a, made a movie, you might have watched the movie. But it's about a captain called Ahab. And he's obsessed with catching this whale. And this whale, at one point, it attacked him and it, it took off his leg. And so for the rest of his life, he is trying to chase this whale and attack this whale. And he's trying, it says he goes through violent waters. It's one point he talks about, I'll go through hellfire to get you. And he's, he's gone through all of this and he chased this whale and he ultimately died chasing the whale and the whale survived. That's the whole book. It's a thick as book. And all that, that's the whole point of the book. A man can't defeat a whale. Right? That's a bit weird. It's impossible. He thought he could. He gave his whole life to trying to defeat it by himself. But he couldn't. Actually, it defeated him. And many people think today, you think you could defeat this mindset by yourself. You think, I can, I can do this. I can do what I feel is right and yet be victorious. No. And instead of actually getting your life, you lose your life for it. Maybe you've tried fighting this twisted spirit in your mind. Anybody tried fighting it? We've all tried fighting it, right? And where does it lead us? Defeated? Depressed? Lonely? Why me? Right? Then, this twisted spirit, because it can't get any satisfaction in life, that's when people start to self-destruct. They just go sleep with anything that moves. They go out drinking. They'll drink anytime, anyway, anyhow. Get back into drugs, pornography, uh, violence. Run away from responsibility. And that's, 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 I'm all good. No, you're twisted. And doesn't matter what I say to you, you won't change. You need a spiritual change. And this is what happens. This is the type of behavior of someone who's twisted. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're fighting against evil spirits and dark, dark demons and all these things. That's who we're fighting, not against people. And you must grasp this. You must. Your, your fight is not with your husband, ladies. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is not with your children. It is not with your church. It is not with that person. It is a spiritual battle. Okay. And, you know, we think, man, this battle, man, people, you know, people leave, people backside. Man, man, we must be the only church where people backside. Must only happen to us, right? Probably never happened in the history of mankind. 
1 John 2:18 and 19. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, but which we know that is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for they had, for they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out of us, out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. I like how he says us, us, us. He keeps using that because he's trying to be nice here, John. He's talking about these people left our church, he goes, because they're not of us. He goes, they're twisted. He goes, they get this antichrist spirit. This happened in Bible days. This is part of life. You need to process this correctly. Not everyone who leaves the church has this twisted, warped Leviathan spirit. I'm not saying that. But many people who backside and do, and they come to these. Have you ever spoken to someone who left the church? And you're talking to them, and you're like, you are not the same person. You're different. Why? Because their mind has become twisted. It doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter the evidence. doesn't matter about any of that. They stay there. So is what I'm saying making sense so far? Are we on the same page, sort of? I feel twisted. It's all right. You'll be okay. So, a major area this twisting spirit affects, it will affect your relationships. Okay? It will affect all your relationships, your family, your friends, and your fellowship with believers. When you're twisted, you'll see people who love you as though they hate you. You'll view friends as competition. You'll have an evil eye against people who actually care about you. That's why it's funny when backsliders leave. Then they all hang out with each other. You didn't like him when you came to church. Why? Because you've all got this twisted mentality. And then you end up, it comes, they hang out for a while and they all hate each other. And it's, I've seen it. I've, grown, I've been in church. I've been saved for 16 years. I've seen this so many times. This is why I'm not tempted to backslide because I've seen how dumb it, it is. I've never seen someone backslide and their life went up. Even if their life went up, there are no backsliders in heaven. And how can I go against God saying, but I love this world. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for everything. But I, I love this bottle. Yeah, it's a joke. When you're twisted, you fight against the church. The church that, that came, that saved you, saved your butt from burning in hell forever. And you start fighting against the church. I don't like how we do things around here. Oh, Really? You, you, really? Because we do things that the Bible says. So you come and show me what we do that's not found in the Bible. If, if I, you know, we should do things different. And that's incredible pride. It like the height of pride to come to a place that you were going to burn in hell, dead in sin. Then you come to a place, say for a little bit, I could run this place better. I know Pastor Mitchell, 50 years, 2,700 churches, but pff, my life... I have $27 in the bank, you know, I know what I'm doing. Can't run their own family, can't run their own life, can't run their own anything. And then yet, I know better than the potter's house. No, you're twisted. You fight, start fighting against standards. Okay, let's talk about standards for a moment. Go to a rugby club and tell them, no, I'm not training then. You know what, actually, I'm going to wear whatever jersey I want to wear. Will you play? They'll kick you out in a heartbeat. Because rugby clubs have standards. Go to work and just don't, don't work to the standards. 
man, these guys, man, they're so hard on me. They expect me to show up on time. They're so harsh. I have to wear a uniform to work. <sighs> I actually have to do my job. Stop judging me. All right, don't live up to your standards at work. What's going to happen? You're going to get fired. Go drive and don't drive to the standards like some of you do. What's going to happen? There's block ears. What's going to happen? You're going to get fined, maybe even jailed. But then it comes to the house of God, I should do whatever I want to do. No, what, the, what drugs have you been smoking? What, what, what did you drink last night? So it doesn't apply in sport. It applies in sports. It applies in work. It applies in family. It applies in every area of life. But then it comes to the house of God, I should just do whatever I want to do. No, you're twisted. You're twisted. And thank God for our standards because you have no idea what is going on in some of the churches around here. And you just see, you just see the, the end. You just see the outside. Should I say the story? It's right, it's Bible hour. It's not church. So, I was talking with Pastor Walsh yesterday. Um, he's reading this book by this author. I won't tell you his name, just protect him. Good guy, good author. I've read his books. He, in his church, he had a mega church, massive. I think it was like 7,000 people in America. Yeah. One of the people that was running the Sunday school came to him and says, I have an issue um, with, with sexual thoughts towards children. And the pastor didn't do anything. He goes, but when I'm around children, I feel relaxed, but I have these thoughts. He was in charge of the, of the, the Sunday school of this mega church. He lets the guy, he, and so instead of doing anything, he says, look, just don't do anything silly to the kids, but you'll be okay. That pastor, it is a very weird story. The pastor has a transgender son, so he's a woman, got married to another transgender woman who became a man in the church. That, so they're married in the church, they married in the church, two transgender people in the church. Why have standards? Yeah, okay, so just wait. So they get married. That Sunday school teacher talks to his son or daughter, whatever, I don't know, one of the two, and tells him about these problems. The transgender person gets upset and says, that's not allowed. <laughs> You're transgender, you psycho. So gets upset, goes to his dad and says, you need to do something. You're the pastor of this, you need to do something. They said, no, uh, he's not hurting people. We need to keep this private, not tell anyone, don't do anything about it. This is what we do as churches. We keep everything private and we don't make any judgments. The transgender person went to the church council and said, this is unacceptable. The church council said, yeah, we agree. So they took the pastor off for three months on full paid leave. Just three months. You could just leave for three months. And that was his discipline. You don't want standards? Go for it. You want to go to churches like that? But that's what they do in that church. Yeah, but you'll be surprised what goes on behind the scenes. Another story. This is before... Should I say their name? This is before Hillsong became Hillsong. Before Hillsong. Okay, this is when they were in Sydney, but they hadn't named, named their name Hillsong. This lady came to one of our churches. She was in the leadership of, of, the, of the Hillsong church. Again, this is not now. This is before, uh, not Brian Houston, his, his father, who had other issues anyway. She's sitting in a board meeting with all those people. And she looked around. I think there was, I can't remember how many, seven or eight. And she said there was not one man that she had with. The leadership. So you want to talk smack about standards? No, you're twisted. And if that's a church you want to go to, be my guest. 
but I, I'd like my kids to be in a, um, in a safe zone. I'd like it if our leadership wasn't sleeping around with every single board member. That'd be, that'd be nice. Anyone cool for that? Amen? Are we good with that one? All right, solid. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, again, I'm talking about being twisted. And I'm not even going to get to the rest of this. Maybe I'll touch on a few. But there's any questions or comments before we move on, on this twisting spirit that changes you? Um, anything that you want to add? Anything, anything that doesn't make sense? Any questions? This is going to be a bit of a longer series. This may be like 8 to 12 weeks, but I'm going to break these down, and then I'm going to teach you how to get dominion in these areas. Um, but yeah, Ange. Mm. Yeah, 100% Ange. So people that say, I don't feel any emotions, they're weird as well. <laughs> so of course we feel emotions, but uh, I've got it down here at the bottom. I'll touch on it tomorrow. But that scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6, can you just put that up, um, Grace? And so it says, casting down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So we'll have that in a second. I'll, I'll show you here. And so bringing every thought into captivity. So having the thought is not bad, but you don't play with that thought. You don't let that thought go. Like I said, I've been saved for 16 years. It's not because I've had no problems. I've had heaps of problems. But... My mind, regardless of what's happening, no, no, the word of God is still true. God is still true. Regardless of how I feel right now, regardless of what I want to do, what I feel like, what, what every emotion in my body is pulling me this way, I know that I need to go this way. So I'm going to keep going this way. And every time you do that, Ange, the next battle gets easier. The next battle gets, it's like lifting weight. You just get stronger. You can ask Biz about that. Don't ask me. But you get stronger and stronger. Same weight, but you're stronger. Right? But if you quit every time you lift one weight, you'll be weak your whole life. And so get those, those things, just get your mind. And I know there's, there's some, some nights, yeah, of course, we all have those nights where we're up, we're up thinking about stuff, and, but it, it shouldn't be this permanent long-term issue, all right? The more you do it at the start, the more you develop dominion, the more you develop strength. And those small things that used to really bug you, won't, they won't bug you, okay? That's a very good question. I'm not saying to be emotionless. You can ask Beck, there's some days I'm, I'm a delight to be around, right? So, but you d- d- develop it. Okay, keep going. Very good. Beck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Like Joseph, how he went through darkness in his life, but he didn't become a dark person. So we, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. We, we go through it. So we do go through it. But it doesn't mean you live there. You don't set up camp. You know, I'll send my kids to. Dark Valley College, you know, you, you, you stop, you, okay, you keep going, don't stop, yeah, but yeah, very good, good input, any other questions or comments? Yeah, all right, I'm going to go through this a lot more next week, I don't want to keep going and then like stop even more randomly than I did just then, um, but there's a lot, it's going to affect a lot of areas, um, it's going to affect it's going to want you to make you backslide as a twisted spirit, all these things. But we must establish dominion in our mind. And I'm going to show you how to do that over the next few weeks. Amen. Lord bless you. Start our service in 10 minutes. This song is for everybody out there who truly knows how good God has been to you. We're going to take it back one time right here. Come on. That's good. Get ready! One!
Atlanta.